Asia-Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. It is Saturday the 23rd of October. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. That's um, great, Giselle. You got the date right and the time right. And I'm actually interested to know what you said about my absence last, uh, last week because obviously... I was actually in the studio, but Giselle insulted me just before the studio, and I just—I heard you were turfed out. That's right, and I and I thought it's not safe for me to go in the studio with Giselle on that morning. But I'm back now because James is here, so we've got the numbers. Well, in response, in response to what I said, I said you've been cancelled because you are a bad person. And you need to go and have one week of repentance before I let you back in the studio. And um, unfortunately, I have repented, and so I'm back. I'm back here. So um, fully restored. Uh, yes, yes. The, the order has been restored. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure listeners, you'll think, "What the hell are those two people talking about?" Um, well, I mean, we should just tell listeners what happened uh, you, uh, last Saturday morning. Just as we were preparing the show, Pierre got a message to say that there was a strong possibility he was in direct contact with a COVID uh, positive person um, and was either a tier one or tier two. Anyway, it was very dramatic. But Pierre said, OK, after the show, I'll get tested. And I said, Get stuffed! You're going now. I'm not sitting in a studio no, with you. If you say. were, if you were potentially exposed, go away. I think you're changing the the the, the reality. I think <laughs> it was a mutual decision for me to go straight and get mutual tested. Anyway, let, let's let's keep going. Oh, <laughs> as you as you can see, listeners, we always have different interpretation of reality. One of us is right, and the other one is wrong. And but- I'm the one that's right. Anyway, moving uh, on. <laughs> and anyway, welcome to 3CR Radio. <laughs> right. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. And thanks to Annie for a very good uh, and interesting show, Solidary Breakfast. The song that you're listening was um, uh, Sydney After Dark by Melanie Hornswell. And of course, um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And Giselle, those contact details, if you can remember them. <laughs> well, COVID hasn't affected my mind just yet. <laughs> um, uh, uh, well, actually, it has. You can Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. That's right. So, and, and, and listeners, I think what has happened is actually we've gone a bit crazy because for the people who are out of um, of um, Melbourne, we've actually been our lockdowns has finally um, finished. And um, the um, we've had the longest gold medal of the lockdowns around the world. So I think we beat Buenos Aires. That's right. We've all slightly, possibly crazy, but of course, if we're <laughs> all in it, we don't achieve. know. We don't know that. So. <laughs> we're in a transition phase. We don't know what's going that's on. That's right. That's right. So anyway, let's let's. So Giselle, before we get to the labour news, let's get 
let's focus. Let's refocus. <laughs> let's refocus. That's right. In the second part of the um, show, our feature story is May Katsakis. She is from a range of organisations in solidarity with Filipino workers and Filipino expatriates. Um, and we, we're continuing the discussion you started with Berlin Um where we're just looking at the situation in the Philippines, particularly with the International Criminal Court's charges against Duterte, but also the upcoming presidential election in May 2022 in the Philippines. Um, so I, we cover those issues this morning. That's great. And she's always uh, a good source of information, May. So we'll go to the news item. I think, uh, James, you've got the first one. I do. Uh, so the first item of news today is another terrible incident in China kills scores of workers. Earlier this month, on the 11th of October, the Jingye Group company, uh, the Jingye Group company bus was transporting 51 workers from Shijiangwang in Hebei Province, and it collapsed into floodwaters. Where, when at the temporary bridge it was using tilted and threw the bus into a raging river. While most workers were able to escape, 37 were later confirmed injured. 40, uh, 14 workers were killed in this incident. Due to the bad weather and widespread flooding, the Jingye Group company had recommended for workers to use its company uh, company bus for safety reasons. Unfortunately, the bus company uh, that was hired has a terrible safety record in the past, and in 2017, for example, the bus company was rated one of the worst companies for violating traffic laws in the province. Initial investigations are also indicating that the temporary bridge may not have been adequate, as well as the traffic controls around the area, that these may not have been clear enough. A whole cascade of uh, of, of, uh, of neglect and neglect. Problems. That's right. Yes, very very uh, tra- uh, tragic. Uh, we now go to nearby to South Korea, where um, well, possibly a good, you could put it in good news. As on Wednesday of this week, hundreds of thousands of workers, members of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, the KCTU, stage a one-day strike across most major urban centres in South Korea. The biggest rally was in the capital, Seoul, where over 50,000 workers marched despite repeated warnings by the police that the rally was deemed illegal and against COVID-19 regulations. The four main demands of the trade union movement are abolish irregular work, whether that's part-time, temporary or contract labour with little or no benefits, and extend labour protections to all workers, give workers power in economic restructuring decisions during times of crisis, and national pay rise to the minimum wage. And um, very interesting that, you know, you uh, sort of wish some of our trade unions would start to raise these issues. Uh, Nationalise key industries and socialise basic services like education and housing. So we go, yes, tick, tick. Um, the KCTU has stated that this is only the start of a period of mobilisations that will culminate in another general nationwide strike in January of next year. I, you just reminded me because we were talking about the South Korean labour movement, um, whether we'd mentioned at all on this show that um, the game, Squid Game, the show Squid Game, was actually about the Sungyong dispute that uh, we've covered extensively and supported that campaign back in 2009. And of course, Han Sung Kyun, who was the um, leader of that union and was arrested um, for a, and jailed for a very long time. So one of our dearest comrades. That's right, that's right. And uh, yes, it's on Netflix, by the way. Um, who's got number three? <laughs> I sure do. Oh, uh, concentrate, Giselle. I, wa- I was concentrating. I was adding to your story. 
I feel so persecuted. <laughs> uh, we're going to Iran now, where earlier this month on the 14th of October, teachers in nearly 50 cities organised rallies and demonstrations called by the Coordinating Council of Iran Teachers Trade Associations. Their main demands centre around pay increases, better retirement benefits and an end to the privatisation of education and greater public funding of schools, as well as calling for the end of persecution of teacher unionists and freedom of imprisoned teachers. Ah, the teachers in Iran. There are at least 15 teachers who are currently in jail because of their organising activities. In addition, scores of other teachers have been dismissed from their posts. Notwithstanding this repression, Iranian teachers are still organising and have launched an international solidarity campaign in support of their claims. And uh, we go nearby to Palestine, our next uh, item, where this week uh, Mikdad al-Khwazmi, who's a 24-year-old, is a Palestinian, being held under administrative detention by the Israeli state, has been transferred uh, to intensive care in hospital as his condition continues to deteriorate due to his three-month-long hunger strike against his ongoing detention. At the same time on Wednesday of this week, there was a big demonstration in Ramallah in the West Bank, in support of Mikdad and other hunger strikers in jail. Now, meanwhile, in other parts of Palestine, the attacks continue. In the small town of Kisan, near Bethlehem, the residents are facing almost daily attacks by Israeli settlers from nearby illegal Israeli settlements and outposts. While on Tuesday of this week, Israeli forces raided the areas around Damascus Gate in Jerusalem, attacking any residents present. Uh, Reports indicate that dozens of Palestinians were injured, while 25 were arrested. And now autonomous vehicle production is the new global industry. Self-driving vehicles have been touted as one of the next big developments in the transport industry, promising to eliminate the scourge of traffic accidents. The reality is that to achieve this, the whole automated system needs enormous amounts of data, such as labelling and identifying hundreds of thousands of images and videos as input. To achieve this, companies have turned to existing global crowdsourcing companies, which allows people to make money online doing piecemeal tasks anywhere in the world. Because of the high standard required, the companies have now established a whole chain of subcontracting levels where other workers train those below them as well as checking and correcting completed tasks of other workers. The workers have no direct link to the people above them and routinely work 12-hour days as well as needing to provide their own computer and internet connection. Pay rates of US $1 per hour are considered standard. it sort of sounds slightly dystopian. It really does, but also it um, it pulls apart that solidar that natural solidarity between workers of equal level, and it pits workers against each other. Um, if mm. if you get the opportunity to correct and supervise other people's work, yeah, yeah, in this um, anonymous environment where you don't mm-hmm. know people who's below. above you. Yeah, yeah, quite incredible. Anyway, that brings... and and you get a sense of self-importance in lieu of wages. <laughs> yes, well, we shouldn't laugh about it. It's quite um, tragic, really, because more and more of this stuff is being um, outsourced mm-hmm. um, in in all sectors, really. That brings us to the end of the news roundup. We'll go to a um, quick community announcement, and then we'll be back with the interview with uh, Mike Kotsakis. 3CR, always bringing you the latest union news. 
They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. Thirteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Coming up now is our feature interview for the morning. And yesterday I had the opportunity to speak with May Kotsakis and she about the situation in the Philippines. And she starts this interview by introducing herself. My name is May Kotsakis and I am the co-chairperson of Philippines Australia Solidarity Association. The, the Philippines is scheduled to go to a presidential election in May next year. So now is the period when politicians are jostling for pre-selection. Duterte is constitutionally prevented from seeking another term, but he's also declared that he won't be standing for, for vice president. What happened there? Well, I think uh, we should realise that uh, not all of Duterte's pronouncements can be trusted. Even before the election in 2016, during his campaign, he has plenty of promises. But after the election, many of those promises were broken. Apparently, his withdrawal from running in 2022 is, uh, is an agreement. You know, They have an agreement with his daughter that only one of them, either him or Sarah Duterte, will run for the top job, either vice president or president. But uh, Duterte made sure that he still has a certain control and influence on the president. And he wanted to make sure of that because to avoid, you know, the prosecution by the ICC regarding his crimes against humanity. So with his daughter as president, he will have enormous, you know, influence on the policies and decisions. Well, yeah, so she's a leading candidate for the presidential election, but uh, and all of the worrying things that you've described are obviously the case. But there's another leading candidate, and that is Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos Jr., who is the son of the former dictator Ferdinand and Imelda. Is this a significant development in the presidential race? We always knew. We always knew that uh, the Marcos family will always uh, seek the top job, you know, the top position in the country. I think uh, you would know that his mother, Imelda Marcos, was congresswoman for four terms. And his sister, Aimee Marcos, also became the uh, governor of Ilocos Norte for nine years. And now she's a senator. Bongbong Marcos, in the meantime, succeeded his sister as governor of Ilocos Norte, then became a congressman, and now he is also a senator. Um, yes, so um, in 2016 election, he ran for vice president, but he lost to Lenny Robredo. So Bogbong Marcos is capitalizing, you know, on the uh, restoration of his father's honor made possible by Rodrigo Duterte. 
So he even wanted the history to change the history of the Philippines. <laughs> he, he wanted to remove in the history the atrocities that was done by his parents while they were in power, like such as the stolen wealth, you know, in billions of dollars, and also the extrajudicial killings under Marcos. So with him in power, being the president, he could uh, this could be possible. He can even change reference books at schools. So, uh, you know, in the Philippines, political dynasty is one of the reasons that the corruption, the bad governance in the country proliferates. Because families in the politics protect each other. Crimes done by the members of family in the past or even at present, you know, they try to bury it with the support of other family members, aside from their cronies in politics. Well, altogether, there are 97 candidates that have put their hand up for the presidency, and obviously we expect a number of them will pull out. The majority of the leading candidates, though, are from the far right and fascistic tendencies of the Philippine ruling elite. And you you talked about that a little bit when you said that um, it's this method that perpetuates the corruption in Philippines politics. But what can you tell us about what this means for the future of the labor movement in the Philippines? Many of them will drop out, you know. Um, some of them are not even popular or not even known to the public. I think less than 10, probably five candidates will run for president. You know, in, in the Philippines, a candidate can be replaced by another person. For example, um, De La Rosa, which is a mate of the Duterte, uh, filed for presidential candidacy, while Sara Duterte has not filed any presidential candidacy. So De La Rosa can actually withdraw and be replaced by Sara Duterte. Um, Filipinos are very hopeful. I guess with the dire situation in the Philippine economy, and the Philippine society as a whole, many Filipinos are left with nothing but hope. There are candidates who are not from the far right and has not supported the Duterte government's fascistic, fascistic policies. And we hope that one of them will win the election. I don't know if you have an idea or, or you heard about this coalition. There is a coalition that has been formed, uh, which is called Sambayan or One Nation one country, one country, somebody. This is a very broad coalition of democratic forces. This includes different political parties, different political persuasion, which is not in the Duterte Marcos camp. And the aim of this coalition is to end the reign of Duterte or Marcos in Malacanang. This coalition believes that by joining together and fielding only one candidate for president, that they have a better chance and they can garner enough votes to defeat Duterte or Marcos as president. So uh, this uh, coalition has been formed, I think, as early as May this year. And they have been, you know, campaigning and they are at the moment, they are, uh, they have already selected the candidate for president, which is the current vice president, Lenny Robredo. So I think they are going to pull together uh, to support Lenny, and there is a big chance that she's going to win. But as to you said, uh, what is the effect of this to workers? We actually don't see 
a uh, many changes changes when it comes to the status of worker in the Philippines because like um until now you know uh the Philippines is still uh controlled by a few ruling classes in the society and uh, many many of uh the politicians the congress in the congress in the senate they are capitalists they are um business owners and um th that's why there is a very uh you know there is difficulty in passing through any legislation any bill that support the workers like look at the wages until now it's still very low so even the demand of uh amu for an increase in a daily wage which is what uh, early 2000 it was uh launched in early 2000 until now it's not approved because of this situation the the bureaucrat capitalist uh businesses that are in politics so i don't see really change much i hope that the contractualization that was promised by duterte during his campaign that he is going to end contractualization I hope that with the new president, it is going to be, you know, met, you know, that promise. Well, you, this new coalition, you're right, I, I hadn't heard of it. Well, what's the relationship between the new coalition and Bayan Muna, which is traditionally the leftist party list that runs in elections in the Philippines? Actually, um, Makabayan, or that is the, uh, you know, that is the alliance of, uh, left force of all those uh, progressive forces then uh, some of the members of makabayan are actually members of the this coalition and uh tony tinio which is one of the congressmen who, who who is a member of makabayan is actually part of the uh, convener is one of the conveners of this coalition and even joanna concepcion the chairperson of the Grant International is one also of the convener of this coalition. So they have pulled together and they have a very uh, good sort of platform on who to choose, which is supposed to be a pro-people, you know, <laughs> president and candidates. They are going to select um, president, vice president, and the candidates for senatorial position. So yes, yes, the uh, you know, um, but I am not quite sure who will be in this senatorial position at the moment because there the the twelve uh, the twelve spaces there or the twelve uh, you know candidate for senator is not yet filled up. So at the moment they are still doing the selection. But yes, the some uh, some organizations of the member of Makabayan are part of this uh, coalition. Well, good luck to the comrades that are trying to progress um, the parliamentary system or the, the um, official political system of the Philippines. I wanted to move to um, Dutetra's um, criminal charges because uh, you mentioned that earlier as one of the reasons why he can't officially stand as vice president, though um, his daughter, Sarah, will be effectively his puppet. Um, but he is, President Duterte is facing charges in the International Criminal Court. What can you tell us about that? Yes, that's right. The ICC or the International Criminal Court has formally approved the investigation of Rodrigo Duterte 
on his crimes against humanity. And this is the result of a long, hard-fought campaign against the killings in the Philippines since Duterte became president, especially the war on drugs that killed, you know, uh, victimized uh, more than 20,000 people. Human rights advocates and activists had campaigned to various international mechanisms, including the United Nations Human Rights Commission, the Permanent People's Tribunal, the International Labour Organization, and the ICC. And this campaign caught the attention of the ICC prosecutor, uh, Fatou Ben Souda, that her office announced in early 2018 that they are closely examining allegations of crimes against humanity by the Duterte government. So that was in uh, 2018, February, I think, yes, February 2018. As soon as Duterte heard about the intention of the ICC, he withdrew from the ICC, he withdrew the Philippines from the ICC. So however, under the court rules, the withdrawal could not take effect for at least 12 months. So Philippines was officially withdrawn from the ICC in March 2019. So the ICC that's, does not have any jurisdiction over the countries who are not members. And the Philippine government will not be obliged to participate. So unless the government or the new president or the Philippine, new Philippine government will hand in or hand over Duterte, even though there is already a warrant of his arrest, the ICC cannot arrest Duterte. But if Duterte travels abroad to any country which is a member of the ICC, then he can be arrested. And that country is obliged to cooperate with the ICC. For example, uh, Australia is a member of ICC. So if Duterte comes to Australia, then Duterte can be arrested and Australia has to cooperate and turn over Duterte. But if the Philippine government also, you know, because the, the, the new, say the new, the new government can always, uh, you know, hand over, can all, not oblige, but can cooperate with the ICC. So if the new government will agree to turn over Duterte or to become member again of the ICC, you know, then, you know, um, then, then the ICC can arrest Duterte. And also, apparently, the crimes that was committed was before. Many crimes committed before the Philippines withdraw from the ICC. So, you know, there is that, what we call that Xbox factor law, that law, that even though Duterte already withdraw from the ICC, he is, is still not free, you know, not free. So um, the ICC can still push, pursue, pursue him. Hey, this is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. That was May Katsakis speaking about the situation in the Philippines. Um, some stuff that I wasn't able to broadcast was the situation for in relation to COVID, the number of transmissions, the impact on workers and, of course, the, the depth of the poverty that um, Filipino expatriates are living in. Um, those that got stranded overseas and weren't able to return to the Philippines. So I'll broadcast the rest of that on Accent of Women. 
All right, fantastic. And that really takes us to the end of another program. It's just coming on uh, 28 past uh, 9 o'clock. We've probably got 30 seconds. We're actually not rushing for once, so that was perfectly timed, really. But that's all uh, from me, Pierre Morrow. We'll be back uh, next week with another program of Asia-Pacific Currents, uh, brought to you by Australia-Asia Worker Links here on your favourite community radio, 3CR Radio. But that's all from me. That's all from me, James Barry. And me, Giselle Hannah. And stay tuned. And for Palestine Remembered, coming up straight after these community announcements. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.